Hey guys, this is Pete. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug for my debut novel entitled Frankenstein, A Life Beyond. It's the first direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic and follows Ernest Frankenstein, the sole survivor of the original book. Like mystery, adventure, romance, horror, then this is the ebook for you. Check it out today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, EnceladusLiterary.com. That's E-N-C-E-L-A-D-U-S-Literary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. That is the most theological attitude. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. So blast off into a new era of actually watchable Star Trek films filled with action, excitement, and lens flares. With your host, Pete. My name is McCoy. I'm a doctor. What am I, a doctor or a moon shuttle conductor? And Greg. Uh, Scotty the Bridge. Uh, g- Captain, this is, uh, this is a little embarrassing, but uh, you know, I've never noticed uh, the little lever I've been pushing. It's, it's only about two-thirds of the way up. I, I actually can give her more. I've, I've lost all credibility, haven't I? And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. Space! The final frontier! These are the 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. voyages of the Enterprise's night crew. Its continuing mission is to Let's go. Ready? From the top. Yes. <laughs> oh, I'm supposed to keep going. <laughs> All right, well, we are in the land of trekking through the stars. Woo, trekking. Which means we're in a land I am fairly unfamiliar with, and I Well, need a we're map. boldly going there, sir, whether you're familiar with it or not. I, am, I feel so <laughs> bold right now for going th- through this episode because... Uh, put on your velour uniform. <laughs> oh, oh, my. <laughs> Let me put on my Spock ears and find my way out the window, because the only Spock characterization I know is the type of guy who beams down to a flying ship in San Francisco and beats the hell out of Benedict Cumberbatch, because yeah, it seems like that's really, his character. That's, that's not Spock, sorry. Okay, well, that's my version that's, of Spock. That's angry Spock. <laughs> that's 21st century angry Spock. Well... Why are we talking about Spock in the 21st century? And you're the reason why we're here. Yeah, blame me again. Fine. <laughs> why, Magnum P.I.? Why? <laughs> why, Twin well, P.I.? Well, Higgins, you see, um, uh, Trek is coming up on 50 years, I believe. Um, in the very, very near years. Yes, in the very, very near future. And uh, from... Everything that I'm aware of, uh, they are. Uh, there was actually just some news last week about the uh, third J.J. Trek universe movie getting the director from, from the Fast and the Furious movies taking over. Um, and there was also some news about a bunch of studio heads going, you know what Star Trek needs to be more like? It needs to be more like Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, and I got. 
nothing against Guardians of the Galaxy. I've got nothing against the Fast and the Furious. I've got nothing against the first J.J. Abrams uh, Star Trek movie. But they, I don't think the people who are running the show um, know what Star Trek is. Yeah, that's not the snake eating the tail. That's someone else feeding the tail to the snake. Because that's like, <laughs> there's Star Trek, then there's Star Wars, then there's Guardians of the Galaxy. And then, well, we got to make Star Trek look like that. Wait, okay. No, they can all be their own thing. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Star Trek became Star Wars, which begat Star Trek looking like Star Wars, which begat Guardians of the Galaxy, which begat... Star Trek one to be like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, it reminds me of when uh, and Bond still does this um, to a degree, but when it was really mired in chasing trends and everything like that and kind of strayed from its own identity. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's everybody is influenced by other stories and mediums and that kind of stuff. That's fine. Uh, but yeah, to just be that blatant and be like, oh no, we're going to just do this now. It's like, uh, what? No. <laughs> Well, it seems like what they're trying to make Star Trek be is, um, to to use the the equivalency I could think of off the top of my head, which is really bad, is thinking of something like the the slasher films of the '80s, where they kept <laughs> going with what's popular now. Well, let's turn it into that. It seems like they're trying to Paramount's got Star Trek as a property, and instead of letting Star Trek be what it is from the beginning. It seems like they're trying to say, well, people love Star Wars type stuff, so let's turn Star Trek into Star Wars. Well, people love Guardians of the Galaxy type stuff, let's turn Star Trek into Guardians of the Galaxy instead of, let's let Star Trek be Star Trek. Yeah, it seems to be suffering from that. Um, And coming up on the 50 years and everything like that, you know, nice as the movies are and everything like that, it, it really is a property that belongs on the small screen and especially in an age where you've got such a renaissance with television going on uh consistently here i would say for the past several years it is just kind of befuddling that and there are rights issues and things like that but it's just befuddling that there is no active concerted push by the people who own these properties to get star trek back on television then I would say that's probably directly as a result of the movie success. And everybody now wants the movie franchise instead of the TV franchise. And if you've got something like that that bridges the gap, we're no longer in the 90s where you've got movies that are made for a certain budget and then you've got syndication rights for a TV show. Now it's pretty much you, you've got to make a run of 13 that are going to be on a major network of some form. And how much is that going to cost? And how much is that going to crisscross with what you're doing in the theatrical version? And oh, you you don't have to be tied in one way or another. But um, I'm I'm taking the the devil's advocate okay. point from your side is I'm looking at it from a studio standpoint. Okay. And well, I'll now, look at it from the fanboy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, point all, of that, view and... now all the studios have is branding. What's our branding? Well, but Star you, Trek has got a, a brand. <laughs> Star Trek is our brand, so we don't want to spoil the brand. I mean, it was what we talked about with DC and Marvel. Sure. Where we we've got here's our TV shows and here's our movies, and we have two different versions there where you've got Marvel saying it's all connected and you got DC saying no the TV show is the brand of DC TV and the DC movies is the DC movies well Star Trek 
I don't think Paramount really probably fully grasps again what it is and I'm not the one to really say what it is <laughs> definitively <laughs> because you look at Disney and Disney is the master of branding right now. Disney well, has got yes, they do seem to be the reigning champ of the moment. I mean they got the Disney brand, now they got the Star Wars brand, they got the Marvel brand, the Pixar brand. Paramount is struggling to catch up just like all these other studios are trying to catch up to Disney all of a sudden with this branding model. Mm-hmm. And I would say you need to go into them being as pragmatic a fanboy as you can and say, why Paramount, here's what you need to do with your Star Trek brand. Okay. Here's the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to a brief to, moment in our time. To go back to a brief moment in our time and everything. Um, one, it's going to be a lot less expensive to put a show back on the air than it is to keep cranking out movies. Well, not necessarily. If if you have to meet the standards of modern-day TV, do you think that's still true? Well, um, uh, again, it depends on your mode of distribution and who you kind of partner up with to make the thing. I think it is highly possible. Because it would end up being on CBS, because I think that's the paramount umbrella connection is cbs right and cbs can still hold the rights and they can still produce it and i mean if they wanted to they can just release the thing via they can pair up with netflix and release it through them um and then do little teaser stuff and tie-in stuff if they wanted to on cbs you know there's there's ways to make that work um financially speaking and everything well especially since cbs is talking about doing what hbo is going to do and what netflix has already done which is to create their own pay-as-you-go subscriber service Mm -hmm. so you got to wonder if star trek is not going to end up going that way i mean they need to boldly go where no one's gone before they got to see where the puck is going and go to it instead of where it's been so maybe the since the future is obviously pay as you go a la carte choosing what you want to watch when you want to watch it where you want to watch it not when the networks tell you so maybe that's the plan sure then then that's fine There's, it's it's an ever changing media landscape, distribution landscape. I I got no problem with switching it up like that. That's fine. All right. Well, with the business side of it, we could go on. But as the fanboy side of mm-hmm. it, where do you come in, Trekkie? Where 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 did you start as a uh, the the Trek nerd? Because I I know for a fact <laughs> that my my description in this uh, parlance will be approximately 25 seconds long. Okay. <laughs> so you'll do the short, short version. Not to bury the lead. Yeah. Uh, it really goes back to childhood for me. Um, Dad was a fan of the original series when it first aired. Um, and for years and years and years, it was on in syndication. And I, God, I can't remember how far back my connection with the series goes. I mean, we would, we'd, we'd sit down to dinner or whatever, and either before dinner, after dinner, during dinner, wherever it happened to be, uh, many nights there was a rerun of you know an old Trek episode and everything like that. Uh, quite honestly, the show used to kind of freak me and my sisters out. Um, because there was all kinds of crazy things that happened, and it seemed like whenever you went off into space, you got killed or possessed or something weird happened to you. Um, 
And so I think there was kind of both a, I don't want to say repulsion, but, but kind of a dare factor with watching some of this stuff. Um, and again, we were, we were fairly young kids. Um, but it also, um, at least for me, gripped my imagination and everything. Uh, growing up, I was very big into the whole space program stuff and NASA and everything like that. And so it was kind of a natural carryover. And, uh, you know, growing up in the age of Star Wars being popular and everything, I mean, space stuff was just, it was in uh, growing up there in the late 70s, early 80s. And so um, I, you know, I, I got in with the original series. I. I just I don't imagine. Know. I, why I would you say, make? I want to say. Why would you I make us say, watch um, <laughs> uh, Star Trek Four is the first one I saw in the theater. Uh, didn't haven't seen all of them in the theater since then. I mean, it's been kind of hit or miss as far as that goes. But uh, when we all found out that they were going to be doing a Next Generation series and everything, uh, we all got kind of invested in that and that was an age where broadcast television and syndication and everything was still very much a strong force and in vogue and so uh, there weren't nearly as many other forms of media and outlets to kind of take away from the audience and I think that that show really did a nice job of reinvesting if you will a new generation into star trek and getting people interested in this franchise and then they had a couple of uh series that ended with uh i want to say enterprise um back in the mid early 2000s and it has been off the air since um i think the last movie I might be wrong about the year here. I want to say the last movie came out in maybe '02, and then there was a uh, long gap before you got to the JJ's uh, first Star Trek that I think came out in what '09. Yeah, was the '02? Was that the Bane one? That was uh, Tom Hardy. Yes. Yeah. I just I could just picture you guys as little kids. Why would you make us watch this horror <laughs> show? <laughs> Again, it was it was cheesy. It was it, it could be funny. It could be horrific. It could be, you know. And you react to things obviously differently as a kid and everything. So you see somebody with glittering eyeballs who can <laughs> choke you to death, and you're like, oh my god. <laughs> So do you think that the giant that, lizard man coming at you? Do you think that's why Star Trek hasn't really broken through as far as on a Star Wars level is because it's initial go around for no other reason that it just was the time it was made and the budget it was made under was In so part, cheap looking. In part, some of it too is the aesthetics and everything. Um, Star Trek was all about uh, kind of uh, more of a view of a hopeful future. It's kind of got more of a clean look to it, that type of thing. Uh, Star Wars was more about overcoming adversity, and uh, Lucas very deliberately tried to make it a very lived-in world and everything like that. Things weren't necessarily perfect. I mean, they're not necessarily perfect in the Trek universe, but it's it's a completely different kind of approach to telling sci-fi. So, all right, so what would you want to see then on TV? Would you want to see, because right now for the, the, the novice people like me, mm-hmm. 
it exists as there is Kirk and Spock. And then you get to the lesser knowns. There's Ahura and Sulu and Scotty. Beam me up, Scotty. And, you know, for most superficial pop culture levels, that's kind of where it stops. So that's why you get the reboots of the movies that are based around <laughs> Kirk and Spock and Ahura and Scotty. And But I know a little bit about Next Generation and Enterprise that have different characters and Picard and Wesley and all, <laughs> Shut that, up, kind Wesley. Of, all that kind of silliness. So you have the different levels of characters. Mm-hmm. So, you know, going back to the business side, Paramount's got to think we've got to hook people with more than just Kirk and Spock. Sure. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. So would you say they just need to do another crew adventure like they did for the other shows and just it's another version or an updated version of something that has gone on before, like what they're doing with the movies, kind of a reboot of Next Generation or something? Um, As far as whether or not it's set in during or even before the Kirk era or if you want to set it um, after – you know, kind of the 90s era, it doesn't really matter to me that much as to where exactly you pick up. I think part of the reason that Trek eventually kind of fell in on itself as far as the shows went and part of the reason that um, eventually all of those wrapped up or got canceled and everything uh, was just they started to get too cookie cutter. Uh, They would have different characters, different crews, different ships, different time periods, whatever. Um, But it was always, okay, well, here's our Spock stand-in character. Here's our Worf stand-in character. Here's our weird alien character. And I, I think they just got so kind of mired in... Uh, literally, it's like a game of dice or something. It, it's it's the manatees with the idea balls. <laughs> the idea balls. Yeah, <laughs> type of thing. From, manatees! <laughs> from South Park. <laughs> uh, it, it literally, by, by the end of some of this stuff, I mean, there's, there's only so many stories you can tell with with certain aesthetics and mindsets and that kind of stuff. And you had people like uh, Ronald D. Moore who um, ended up doing the reboot of Battlestar Galactica, who was a showrunner and producer and stuff like that, who would, you know, try with different um, seasons and shows and that kind of stuff to mix it up. And I'm not saying it was just all the same thing all the time, but there was definitely a tendency towards that. And, Obviously, with episodic television and everything, especially when it was syndicated television, which was the model that all of these shows were kind of functioning off of, I think it's real easy just to get into that kind of creative rut and just keep kind of doing the same thing. One of the things I really liked about the rebooted version that J.J. came up with was it felt like a believable universe. Um, the characters were there. They were interesting. And I I think he did a good job of actually cutting ties with what had come before, but at the same time kind of honoring it but not being held down by it. Whatever you're going to do with the new Trek, do that, um, but make it Star Trek. Don't make it 
Guardians of the Galaxy. Don't make it Star Wars. Um, you got to hold true to something from the spirit of the original property. Otherwise, people aren't going to recognize it and they won't embrace it. Well, it, it, it sounds like what you're saying is please ignore anything else that's going on in pop culture. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, because, well, no, I'm not saying negative or positive, but yeah. um, I think what you're saying is, is please, can you please make a movie as good as Star Trek Into Darkness? Because oh. that is your favorite. <laughs> oh, <from God>. all- <laughs> <laughs> I think what, what you want to do is reboot Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Speaking about logic holes and not staying true to anything. <laughs> uh, well, I, we won't. We're, I don't know. If yeah, we're I'm not. I'm not getting back into that. Into that. <laughs> <laughs> but, if if anybody's been listening to this for a while, I've I've more than expressed my feelings yeah, about that movie. Your You're fine. <laughs> so, from what I know, you've got original Star Trek, then you have Next Generation, then you have Deep Space Nine, and you mm-hmm. have Enterprise. So, uh, you got Voyager thrown in between. But and yes. Voyager. Yeah. So. Tell me something then, Charlie. Uh-huh. <laughs> what uh, if you have Kirk and Spock, mm-hmm. and they're existing in some timeline and location? So here's my guess, and then you say you are so off. <laughs> Next generation, I would assume, would be like a generation following the Kirk and Spock era. It was set, I want to say, roughly 80 years after the heyday of Kirk and Spock. Okay, and then you have Voyager, which was set when and where? It was set after the events of the show in um, The Next Generation. It was set consecutively with some of the latter seasons of Deep Space Nine. Okay, but then Enterprise was a prequel before the Kirk and Spock days. Okay, so Sam Beckett went back and became a pilot for something <laughs> or another. And he turned into a monkey with <laughs> a shotgun. That's right. <laughs> Did he sit on the bridge and lovingly play Imagine to his kid sister when they were? Uh, Gosh, I certainly hope so. <laughs> Okay, so when all these shows, you put some sort of timeline together mm-hmm. for Star Trek over the last 50 years, are they all covering the same ground, or is it, this is another crew somewhere else who, I'm sure, the people on the uh, the, the Voyager crew don't even know the name Captain Kirk, or oh no, all... they they all know. Okay, so all these shows have some sort of reference to James T. Kirk and Spock and 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 uh, uh, Vulcans and and whatnot. It's all the much. same kind of universe, just in a different take. So nobody can. Yeah. They're all connected through the mighty Federation. Yes. Okay, and the the Federation's based on Earth. Um, Earth is a member of the Federation, and it's supposed to be like humanity got over its selfishness and problems, and they got rid of war and disease and greed as far as like money and all that went, and um, started interacting with other races and planets and everything, and that 
cause us to kind of grow up and uh, form this federation with a lot of other groups who thought likewise and then go out and literally just explore the galaxy and see what was out there. So has any of the, have any of these things dealt with the beginning of the federation or like the first launch into space that's what enterprise was supposed to be getting into and dealing with and everything and they got three or four seasons out of that and the ratings just never really materialized and they shut it down okay and you've said before that this is not meant to be uh like what JJ kind of did with the the 09 reboot which was this is a Star Wars shoot 'em up action movie you're thinking this is supposed to be more like uh submarines and space exploring and just kind of coming across places I think you can have elements of both and I think you have had elements of both um throughout different iterations of the show and everything I mean there are some episodes that are more Guns a blazing type of thing, um, or more uh, straight up adventure type of stories, and then you have others that are more kind of emotional, or they're trying to explore more about um, actual like hard sci-fi and that type of thing. So, I think that's one of the strengths of Star Trek is that it can work in different modes and fashions and everything. So, I don't think you have to limit yourself necessarily, but you do need to strike some kind of a balance. Well, okay, so. I guess what I'm trying to get at is, and without reading Wikipedia and without <laughs> knowing the the off the top of my head the 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 typical pre-show speech that is always at the mm-hmm. head of it, the uh, its mission to yada yada uh, to go, to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What exactly is the the point, I guess, the the modus operandi of these people is the what send the send the crew of the Enterprise out into space and just kind of come across places and try to make contact and invite them into the Federation, or is it just simply scientific exploration? We're going to set sail. We don't know where the hell we're going. We don't know what we're doing, but we're going to if we come across somebody, we're going to. Get into a fist fight with him. What, what's the uh, what's? I, I think he hit. I think he hit both sides of it there with the right and the left fist. <laughs> okay. Um, Gene Roddenberry, who developed the show originally and everything, sold the show with this idea of it being a wagon train to the stars because in the fifties westerns were very popular and everything like that. Oh yeah. Um, part of the more kind of. What you're talking about with going out and getting into fistfights and everything um, from the original series um, was a carryover of that idea. Um, That's how he sold the show. That's what the people who were funding the show were kind of looking for. So they actually did two original pilots um, to get the thing off the ground. Uh, The first one called The Cage um, is more of kind of the hard sci-fi type of thing. Um, The second one... Uh, which is called Where No Man Has Gone Before, is more of the... You've got scientific kind of elements in there, but it's also more of kind of the adventure side of things, more of the... They specifically wanted it to end with this fist fight between Kirk and this guy who had been transformed and stuff like that. So, um, I guess what I'm getting at is this. Hmm. Was... 
living entirely within the world, not what Gene Roddenberry set out to do, but say what the leaders of the Federation set out to do. Mm -hmm. Is it more of like a Lewis and Clark thing of let's go map and put physical eyeballs on these places to see what's out there? Or is it uh, we're we're running out of 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 Odedium Poop Town B, and we need more Odedium Poop Town B to survive. So go what do you think we're in Avatar? <laughs> Unobtainium. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So no, it would be it would be it would be the first one. Let's go out there. Let's see what who is out there. Let's see. Um, what the universe is all about and in doing so try to explore more about our own humanity at the same time but they're sending these military style crews out there though that actually came in more from the movies um roddenberry and he tried to do this and you can debate whether or not he was successful um throughout the original series and everything tried to make a very big point of it not being a military organization um i think he said he patterned it more after like the u.s coast guard or something like that because he had been in the military uh and it wasn't until i want to say the wrath of khan um, when you got a new kind of producer running things and getting in there, that more of this militarization, uh, both in kind of look and style of the show, kind of came into it. And now, yeah, I'd agree. I mean, it's hard to kind of separate the two. Okay. So, what then mm-hmm. would you, as being tasked with bringing Star Trek back to television, they send you an email that doesn't get hacked by North Korea, hopefully, <laughs> oh, that says, hey, you. Hey, guy. <laughs> <laughs> we were thinking of putting Star Trek back on on television and running concurrently with our movies. Come up with an idea for us, and you would say. Uh, well, I would say, and again, this would, some of this would depend on what time period you kind of wanted to set things in or if and this would have to get worked out too between cbs and paramount um do you want to carry the jj timeline story frame forward or do you want to kind of go back to the original universe so to speak and uh pop in somewhere in there uh, I could tell um, you, you right you away. You do it either way. It really wouldn't matter. Like I said, it wouldn't really matter to me. Um, you just got to make it recognizable as Star Trek. Right away, I could tell you, <laughs> as playing the challenging role of a studio executive with Paramount, mm-hmm. and I've had no training whatsoever to play this role, <laughs> is I would tell you, okay, fine. If you need that question answered, yes. We have movies. They are highly successful. So this is the timeline and world we are existing in. Go go okay um based on that you've got uh the galaxy is split up into different quadrants uh earth and the original series and uh star trek the next generation and most of d space nine was set in what's called the alpha quadrant so that's kind of our neighborhood so to speak um Voyager went off into the Delta Quadrant and went off into another kind of remote part of space. And then there are others that haven't been explored yet. Go into one of these areas you haven't explored yet. Go into the Beta Quadrant or something like that. Something where uh, you can 
kind of have a your own sandbox to play in, so to speak, and you can do with it what you will. Um, but you're not so far removed from uh, the area of the galaxy that we're kind of familiar with that you can't uh, pull in some elements that people are kind of familiar with and everything. So what would your what would your hook be then outside of just well here's just another crew going out and looking for shit is it is it uh is a is it a, a hot-headed captain and he's taken <laughs> out his crazy crew of of hot bikini babes as they go traveling throughout the galaxy oh my i always i always thought well that yes um <laughs> If you wanted to go that way, you could. Uh, I, I always thought it would be kind of fun to have some kind of a mystery going. I mean, you've got different episodes where ships have gone missing or this, that, or the other thing, or this threat pops up or that threat pops up. Um, you, can, you can play with some of those elements uh, in different forms and fashions, I think, as part of a hook um, and maybe a way to kind of bridge a gap between audiences who are familiar with the movie stuff versus people who are from more familiar with like the um, properties that have come before or something along those lines. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you could start with that kind of a hook. As far as the, as far as the crew goes, I think uh, another thing that a lot of people who were familiar with the shows, especially the 90s shows and everything, they got into the problem of what was called the forehead of the week. They would just have a different kind of person dressed up and they'd give them some different nose line or hair thing or something to make them, ooh, it's a crazy alien. Uh, and again, you not knocking the effects of the time or the makeup of the time or anything like that because that all you know, it takes skill to do that, but you can do so much more now with environments and you can do so much more now with CGI, with characters and everything. You don't have to make a completely CGI character, but you can definitely do something with uh, changing that up, changing up the aesthetics, making it interesting, making it uh, visually interesting and fun. And would you keep some form of the same dynamics that have traveled through the shows as far as any of the crews are involved because it sounds like they kind of started to do a cut and paste job for uh, they did crew, <laughs> crew archetypes and crew stereotypes so I, what would I you think, do to change that up i i think the big thing would be don't don't be afraid to let the storytelling dictate changing things um one of the problems that you got into um, especially with uh, they were real guilty of doing this on um, uh, the next generation was I think the show bible that they came up with when they were first starting it was basically oh well you can go out you can have an adventure every week but eh, you don't really want to have everything's got to go back to the way it was by the end of the episode so yeah, we, that we've makes, talked about that in television yeah, enough. <laughs> yeah, and that makes things anticlimactic, obviously. Play with it. Feel free to open things up a little bit. Um, don't feel like you have to be overly constrained with that kind of stuff. Obviously, some storylines or character lines will work better than others, but you're not. It's it's not some one size fits all formula. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, feel free to change things. Feel free to have it have things have longer term impacts and that kind of stuff. Um, what about having a show? Have set a captain who's married, for God's sakes! I mean, change it up. <laughs> like set the show on one of the planets that's visited instead of like on a ship. See, what does that do? Or, or set it, set it in the offices of the Federation, so that it runs like the show, The Office. Well, and to... if you're if you're if you're going out into a new segment of the galaxy that you haven't been into before, and you can kind of do it incrementally or whatever, set up different bases or planets or colonies and go back to them from time to time. Or, or I would just imagine if you had it set at the Federation on Earth. That at the headquarters, that there's some eccentric girl who's in love with the 1930s, and so <laughs> she's the communications officer, but she always talks like Lily Tomlin's operator. Go ahead, Starship, <laughs> for no for no reason. That just that would just be awesome to and not wait anyway. Yeah, just mess with it. Go ahead. <laughs> How about Star Trek the comedy Star and Trek and the some, musical? Something else that the. Uh, series as they went on really got uh and some worse than others really got bad about was the writers would get so far into an episode and then they're like well how do we get out of this oh i know we can just throw in a bunch of techno babble that at the end of the day doesn't really mean anything to the audience and choose up about two minutes of screen time so that they can sit there and throw out all of these meaningless terms to you um, rather than just keeping it very simple and straightforward and um, just it just ground stuff to a halt and just got really annoying and everything like that. I mean, if you want to say fly through the cloud, say fly through the cloud. You don't have to be like set the Thoron radiation shield to optimum range or, or you know, whatever. Um, don't. So you have to have somebody <laughs> on the crew who calls that out. We have talk, somebody talk super like, technical. Talk like, yeah, talk like actual people. I mean, you have two guys there, and one of them's like, "We need to set this thorax vapor shield X five to four niner and cut through the ammonia vapor," and then have the guy turn to him and say. Can you just say steer through the cloud? It's right there. It's a cloud. Just It'll just take turn. several hours to permeate the Thoron radiation of the particle density to the... No, 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 no. Re-enter the atmosphere. You could just say re-enter the atmosphere. These, I get you. Okay, thanks. Yeah, and these people... And that's another thing that really drives you nuts if you go back and watch this. And shows are... Uh, it's not just Star Trek. Plenty of shows are guilty of this. Don't have them have conversations about stuff they would already know <laughs> and understand. Filler! 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 Don't don't do that. If if these people live and work together on this ship, they're gonna know what this device and that device does. You don't have to have a five minute conversation between these people who would obviously know what's going on and what to do. And just do it. <laughs> and especially in the modern era of storytelling, where people are so used to having to cat play catch up. To what's going on on screen and being okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> being fine with not understanding every single word that that person's saying, as long as you get the idea of what they're trying to accomplish or doing, then they can say anything they want. And who cares? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that's 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 like being on season five of er and two head surgeons are sitting around going well you know if we don't get down there and close that heart up it could probably explode if we don't use the paddles that are used to resuscitate the heart then that's what we'll need to do and we'll have to use the epinephrine drip and that's what's used to revive the heart right senior surgeon yes senior surgeon bob that's what we need to do (laughs) yeah and that's exactly what you see in a lot of these episodes if you go back and watch it and it's just like oh my god they would not be having a conversation like this these people know what the hell they're doing (laughs) season four of a behind the scenes of a baseball team and you have two (laughs) grizzled old veterans sitting there well we really need to steal second base at this point because if we do, we might have a better shot at this guy driving him in with a base hit to right, which means that he might be able to put the bat on the ball, get a single to right, and that guy from second could probably score a run, which would put us up. Right? Yeah. But, but Holiday's really been struggling with that slider, so we'd better have him throw the <laughs> fastball instead. <laughs> he's no good with the fastball. How do you know that? Well, he's been around the team for 15 years. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Stop (laughs) stop doing that. (laughs) So basically, throwing out all the same crap that we have been complaining about on all these old TV shows because the style of TV is so different The style of TV has changed. The style of storytelling is so different. So what you're saying is put it in a short-form 13-episode arc like we say for everything else. Like we say for everything else. And have a beginning, middle, and end to a particular kind of a story and not a drag-out filler. Right. But don't with Star Trek. And if you want to to do season-long arcs or even multiple-episode arcs, fine. Go ahead and do that. If you want to do more of what the original series did and just have kind of the adventure of the week... um, do that. It's fine. It works both ways. So you can have commercials on where it says, this TV critic says this new Star Trek show is setting TV stations to stunning. Woo! <laughs> uh. <laughs> JJ who? Now we've talking. Star Trek is back in a big way. Make it a sitcom <laughs> laugh track. That'd be awesome. Yeah, and maybe maybe the biggest argument, if you wanted to go back and put your producer hat on here for a second, is at the moment there is an audience for this property. Take advantage of that. <laughs> I mean, if you if you go through, you wrap up this third movie, whatever it's going to be, and. Then your cast isn't signed anymore, and they're like, oh, we're going to have to reboot it again, or we're going to have to figure out something again. Well, why isn't it a lot easier to seize the moment and put this other stuff in place, and then you can do whatever you want to with the movies? But hey, we've still got this thing going. We're still growing the brand, and people are still interested in learning about and expanding with this storyline, with this property, with these characters, with this universe. So then I say write your own version of a Star Trek you want to see on TV as a pilot and send it into Paramount. Dear sir or madam, you may not know me, but I'm going to knock your socks off. <laughs> Are your socks still on? Are they still on? Better hold tight because they're well, about to get knocked off. It's coming at you at warp drive. <laughs> Keep reading. <laughs> Keep your eye phasers on stunned. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and just type in woo. <laughs> I think repeatedly. <laughs> I think that I think that would help a lot with the pitch. 
You will be the finest purveyor of meats and cheeses in the land. <laughs> you will. So is that your uh, is that your maiden voyage? That's on... my maiden voyage. It's my best shot without getting into anything more specific. But yeah, get the thing back onto TV in some capacity, or streaming, or some other long format of storytelling beyond just the movies. Well, that and a greasy Asian man with a sword. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. Do you have any other questions? Thank you. They've all been answered. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Thank you. For what? You had a hand in helping me get out of this. I was the one that got you into it. A directive from the continuum. The part about the helping hand, though, is my idea. Okay, but... Ah! Stick around, Scotty. I might need to lay down a captain's law. Gross, sir. Sam, it's a class for his hydra from hell! I should probably get that looked at. You have stage three space harpies, Jim. Have you been having sex with the aliens we've discovered? There wasn't much sleeping going on. Wait, you said having sex. Too bad. That would have been funny. Damn it, Jim. What about the Prime Directive? Did I forget to tell you about the Prime Directive, big guy? <laughs> oh, wow. I'm getting some vibrant colors down there. Oh, that is right. You've been spreading a virulent STD across the entire galaxy. I have a lot to put right. 